The more things change, the more they stay the same. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Hello, everybody. Tim Bennett here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We are the Tuesday podcast from the Focus Group. Be sure to catch us here for three quick stories that we like to share with you each week. Thanks to our friends at Critics' Choice Video. It's America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987, and they bring us to you each week. Head over to focusgroupradio.com and click on the Critics' Choice Video logo and start shopping away. You'll also find out more about John and me there, as well as all of our programming including our Wednesday show, which is the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. How are you, Mr. Nash? I'm good. We had a, um, a sunny weekend. I was able to get some good cycling in. And on one of my bike rides, I ran into um, some friends of mine who I cycled with pre the event. <laughs> it was kind of funny because we're all like, oh, my God, it's more human beings that we know from the past, the recent past. Would you bump in them on a, on a ride? Yeah, I was up. Uh, I was going... I was testing out, um, they opened up a whole new series of, of like rail trails and walking paths in our County. It used to be an electric trolley line that would take people up to all be like a, one of those like small urban electric lines. And, um, there was a section of it I haven't gone on. I thought, okay, I should try this. So I went on this, this big long thing. It goes by a pretty lake. And as I'm riding along, uh, two people ride by and I heard a woman go, she goes, I think that's John. <laughs> so I, turned around and they turned around and I was like, you're right. It is. And she said, I recognized you by your white, uh, sleeves and what I was wearing. Um, and probably a lot of folks know this, but I have these things that I put on probably spring to early summer. They're, they're called solar sleeves. This is a really thin material that you put on your arm, like a, like a, I guess it's like an opera glove almost come to think of it, but it's <laughs> have UV 50 built in. It just saves you the hassle of putting on sunblock on an area that gets really a lot of sunlight when you're riding. And so we caught up and, and the last time I talked to my friend, Kathy, her, um, her boys were doing great. And she's like, and now one of them is like, you know, already a year and a half older. And it's just crazy. It was, it was good though. An opera glove. I, yeah. I, I think for cycling, you might want to come up with a different name. Maybe well, they call them solar sleeves. Or, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to I'm trying to describe the the look of it for the goes, layman. <laughs> An it's, just, it's just a tube. It just goes over your. It just goes up your forearm and up to your upper arm. <laughs> I just have this vision of being very proper, putting that on before going out for your ride. Well, I will say, as the solar sleeves age and they do get you know worn out after a while they they do tend to bunch up like an old lady's gloves and you don't want you, you want like a nice like tight surface on your forearm so there you go mm-hmm. how do you throw them in the wash you do and then you air dry them yeah okay. all right so it's just like a another piece of another article of sport clothing they have to buy and my guess is they're probably not cheap no, there are. They are pretty cheap. They're like $20 or something like that. It, it's a very inexpensive item, and it just totally saves you the hassle of doing the the sunblock stuff, which by the time we get into the summer, there's really a cutoff point where the sleeve doesn't make too much sense because you do want to not have it on. Um, but I've gone on rides in the, the the mid, you know, deep summer, actually, I should say, where it's high humidity and it's warm. It's like I'll leave in the morning. And Within half an hour, all I'll look at my arm and all that sunblock is just sitting on. It's like 
bubble, it, literally, because you're sweating and there's humidity, it's just like literally coming off. You're like, right. oh boy. You know what I found? I speaking of cycling, I found one of I was I was doing some cleaning, as you know, deep cleaning. And I found one of Lance Armstrong's cycling jerseys from the old Subaru team back in the US mm-hmm. Postal team that was signed. And I didn't know if I should throw it away or what to do with it. You know, it's worth nothing, I don't think. Is it worth anything? Oh no, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. He's no? he's got a following. Yeah, there's there's people who Should I put it on much. eBay? See, I would go on and see if you see anything that's like it first, you know. Yeah, I was wondering. You got to be careful about what's been signed. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> Get in here with that Sharpie. <laughs> I need remember, I need uh, 300 of these signed by tomorrow. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> what's it, What's the signature look like? <laughs> How can we get it done? You have a Sharpie? Close the door. <laughs> <laughs> They were, went to Japan. They went to Japanese dealers. Didn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> enough said. Enough said. So hey, we had the uh, so the, we have three stories today. The uh, the opening or the tease was the more things change, the more they stay the same, which really just kind of pertains to the first two stories, which are LGBT related. The first one is about our, your friend and mine, Vladimir Putin, and uh, he apparently there's a couple of things he's done in the last week or two uh, legislatively, but the the one that uh, hit the Washington blade was um, two of them. The, the the first one is that uh, last Monday he signed into law a series of constitutional amendments, and uh, one of them was that he defined marriage between a man and a woman in the country. So essentially, and he says this is uh, backed by 78 percent of the Russian voters. But essentially, that marriage is between a man and a woman, a constitutional amendment that they've now written in to law and essentially bans same-sex marriage, which is, you know, no surprise for Vladimir and, of course, Chechnya, which is one of the the heavily Islamic, I guess, provinces, has been has been anti-gay for a long time, and he's a big fan of Putin. The other thing Putin did is he also made himself essentially ruler until he's 83 years old. He essentially can remain president until 2036. Yeah, that was all over the news on Friday. I just, wow, that's all I can say there, right? Well, the opposition leader, who we all know he poisoned, right, or allegedly, um, Alexei uh, Novani, who's in, uh, who's in prison now, who've gone back from uh, Germany back to, uh, back to Russia and was immediately arrested. And there's lots of protests going on. I mean, we really don't know what's going on inside of Russia in many regards. I saw something on the news earlier this week that there is a concern that uh russia may be planning uh another visit to the ukraine if uh if the ukrainians uh look more western as they that they threaten to do toward nato in europe so um you know vladimir keeps keeps banging the drum for uh for as little influence as sometimes people think he has i think he has an out and out uh, outsized influence don't you yeah, and this one, this story about the um, if he formally bans same-sex marriages is really, um, it was just a gesture because according to one of the LGBTQ activists in Russia, uh, Mikhail Misha Tumasov, um, this had already been adopted into the recently changed constitution. Um, and the formula was a family exclusively exists between a, a union of a man and a woman. And um, it wasn't in the Constitution. It gave hope that it was going to be, um, you know, same-sex marriage would be legal or something. But by putting this in there, it just basically shut the whole thing down. And so she was like, well, you know, 
I don't know, this, this really has an effect on restrictions in education, but again, it just showcases. And I think actually uh, you know, our first two stories showcase the fact that no matter how far we think we've come, especially here in the U S with, uh, with, with gay marriage and, and other equality issues, really, it's still quite, quite, uh, the, the easiest thing in the world to, to score points by attacking the LGBTQ community in any way, shape or form you can to please, uh, either religious zealots or the far right. It's, it's really, um, <laughs> haven't we seen that? Aren't you getting tired of it? I mean, I'm so, uh, what, I'm surprised more people aren't tired of it because it's just, it just goes on and on. Right. Right. And that, and that leads us to the next story. And, you know, there was lots of hope when the, in 1989, when the, 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 uh, iron curtain essentially fell. Uh, the Berlin Wall uh, come down and the kind of the Eastern Bloc of countries had become more democratic, or at least where we thought there was going to be more freedoms. And I, I had seen a, I remember going to a lecture with um, Zbigniew Brzezinski talking about how the, the big hope was that Poland was going to be the great uh, leader of Europe as, as kind of this new, new European um, seat of power, because they were going to be able to straddle both sides of the, the fence, having lived under both, both sort of rules. And little by little, Poland has actually become a disappointment, as is Hungary and a few others in terms of being staunchly, staunchly and strictly conservative, to the point where I think Poland has actually said they might name a military base after the last president, Yeah, um, <laughs> which is just crazy. But so there are these towns that have decided that it voted to have free LGBT. No, free of. Free of. LGBT. I mean, yeah, free of. That's my dyslexia again. Free of LGBT, which uh, do you want to explain what that is? Well, they didn't explain it at first. It was really like if you read into it anything more than like a, if you read in beyond the headline, like like a inch beyond the headline, you'd say they wanted to be free of all LGBT individuals. What they really meant was they want to be free of LGBT ideology. Right. I'm not sure you can actually separate the two. <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, <laughs> and what and what is that ideology exactly? Yeah, that was confusing to me too. That, that, that with the ideology, and they said that it conflicted with their traditions and the Christian values of of Poland, right? Yeah. So this town, there's a town called Krasnik, and um, they passed this resolution. And slowly but surely, or quickly, depends on how you look at it, the global community kind of responded, and millions of dollars in aid are now being withheld from the town and and, and Poland, and I think just the town actually. Um, and it's caused the, uh, what did they call the guy here? Who's like, he's like the party leader. I forget the the terminology. I wouldn't call him the mayor or something, but he, he would like to repeal this. And, and so now a bunch of the people that put the resolution forward are like, no, we're not going to vote against ourselves. Everybody's misunderstanding us. We have no problem with LGBT people. <laughs> we just have problems with LGBT ideology. Which is another backhanded, nasty way of saying they would prefer to, again, discriminate against LGBT individuals, because I'm sure it takes the, their eye off, people's eye off the actual problems of, of Krasnik and Poland in general, right? Right. Um, but this, this was like, it, the, the article came from the New York Times, and it's rather long, um, because it explains how the Catholic Church is involved, the whole thing, and then some of the key players in the town and the surrounding towns. And there was one part that kind of, I did smile at, and it wasn't only, it was because of a, a show that we all love. Um, and there was a photograph of a young gentleman sitting in his apartment and he had a rainbow flag behind him. 
and his name was Cesare Niradgo. Um, and he described himself as Krasnick's only open gay, which reminded me <laughs> of Little Britain's The Only Gay in the Village, right? Exactly, Did you think? I put that in the notes too. The only gay in the village, the only gay in Krasnick, <laughs> wherever he was. Yeah. And, and he said he moved to the nearby city of, of Lublin, uh, where he said residents were generally more open minded. Amazing to me that he would do a geographic, right? He would have to move. And that move would be to a city that he now actually says, well, yeah, they're a lot more open-minded and I think he feels more comfortable there. But the fact that he had to leave the the town, like Krasnick, right? I mean, <laughs> it's just so crazy, right? Well, this this is a Poland's run into this can of worms with the European Union because obviously the other more um, enlightened countries, Norway, Iceland, France, and so forth, have either cut off funding and or will not do business with um, these anti- LGBT or other discriminatory places, and uh, such as what's going on in Turkey, with all their anti-LGBT resolutions that they've they've started passing, and a lot of their kind of religious religious uh, fervor. And so the European Union, probably similar to us, with some of our states that are now doing these trans bans and all the other things, they're they're seeing the same thing happen there in terms of trying to keep these countries in line as part of the European Union of how do you manage when you're supposed to be this collective unit that has, has a, has a, um, I don't want to say a collective thought, but at least a set of values and morals, right. That, that you, you work as together as in, as an alliance or as a, as a group of countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and this, I was, I was just, look, I had a highlight here that I just found, um, Jan Albit Albiniak, the Krasnick counselor who drafted probably Jan Albiniak who drafted the resolution said that he had nothing personally against gay people whom he described as friends and colleagues, and that he wanted to contain ideas that disturbed the normal, regular way our society was functioning. He said he had drafted the resolution after watching an online video hmm, online of abortion rights activists screaming at Christian men in Argentina. Although that had nothing to do with LGBT issues of Pol- or Poland, Mr. Albionak um, said the video showed that we are dealing with some sort of evil here and can see manifestations of demonic behavior around the world that must be stopped. Mm. I, what, what, what can you even say to that, right? I mean, if you had to dissemble this, right? He saw an online video. Well, you better question where that came from, right? Well, <laughs> it probably came from Putin. <laughs> That's the part of the broader disinformation campaign, yeah. But I mean, demonic. So while he says in one breath, friends and colleagues, he knows many gay people. In the other breath, well, you know, he wants to stop seeing manifestations of demonic behavior. So automatically, thank you. You just, you know, basically said you're demonic. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's it's sad what's what's going on. But you know that it, it. I am I am a, a somewhat um, encouraged that at least these other countries and other people are holding them accountable that yes these decisions yeah these decisions you made are going to have consequences and so that, that you know that's called tough shit um the uh, <laughs> and you know what i that's normally how you would say something like that i've known you saying that for years and you're right it is tough shit yeah. you're gonna lose the money your town's gonna suffer people are not going to be happy about it hey but the demons are contained right yeah so gotta get go. those demons yeah yeah the, I don't. I, I got that from an old boss. He used to say that all the time, and, and then I just. But I, there was a better. There was no other way to say. Eh, that's called tough shit. Oh, okay. The um, 
The third one uh, was interesting, and I this is right up your alley. I, I, this is why I thought it was funny you picked this. But the headline is, more than 4,000 blood tests suggest that our bodies age in three distinct shifts. So the gist of this is is most people think your body ages each day. You you age, and your body goes through kind of this uh, life lifespan of aging each day and slowly. And they said that after they've done all these these tests on people, that they've really found that there's these more undulating or more distinct patterns of aging in our bodies, that it's more of a wave or it's more of a very um, distinct, uh, three different distinct patterns or distinct shifts in aging. And they broke it as 34, 60, and 78 being these key thresholds. I found this interesting because I remember many years ago um, from rowing and and, uh, talking when they were talking with us about rowing and about being in shape, and they used to use the age 27. Now, this was you know, 30 some Sports. years. Yeah. Well, 30 some years ago. And they talked about having the body of a 27 year old. Now this is somebody who was 18 or whatever, listening to this speech, but they always told us that the body you had, or at least this was the philosophy at the time that the body you had at 27 was probably the best body you would have in terms of when it would start to then break down. So any muscle you had or any shape you had at 27 was probably what you would have in terms of the best. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I've noticed changes. I'm now, I'm not 60, but have you ever noticed? Do you ever mm-hmm. say, I mean, do you, I don't know if it's gradual or because you see yourself every day, but I thought this was interesting because they said, okay, we all remember what you look like at, we all know what we look like right in our thirties. I thought 60 to 78 was pretty, pretty much of a chunk. Well, that one's a, that, that's a shorter, uh, that, that was the interesting leap, the 18 years from 60 to 78, but the 34 right. was fascinating to me. Um, when I read um, a lot of my cycling magazines about the Peloton and pros, you know, a lot of guys like what, like with rowing, will start in their teens, right. uh, late teens. Um, they're considered kind of aging out of the Peloton in their early 30s. Um, it's rare for a cyclist to be uh, 36, 40. I mean, they're right. then and they've been really strong, but they've had to really work at it. And you're right. The, the number that pops up in, in a lot of my racing uh, articles is. 27 to 30, 27, 28 is the peak performance. That's when these guys are like at the peak of their athletic uh, form. And I just remember something my mom told me years and years ago when I turned about 32, she was like, watch out. She said, that's when your dad started gaining weight when he turned 32. And it, that was just one of those like anecdotal things, but, but it's, it cleaves so closely to this 34, 60 and 78 that I'm fascinated. Now they said, this is not a hard and firm thing that they're actually tracking uh, proteins that the body uh, creates from different uh, areas. And they feel there's a consistency here, though, that if a doctor were to start backtracking protein production, um, they might be able to figure out uh, certain things that you might be in line for on an illness scale, like, oh, watch out for this when you're 60. We want to have you come in and check, do a complete physical or whatever it is. Right. But this this does sort of ring true to me, even when you look at photographs of people. You know, you can see someone who looks the same throughout their 40s or 50s, and then suddenly there's a shift, right? Yeah. No, it's a. I find this stuff fascinating, and I think this is interesting too, because as you mentioned, if if it could help from a science aspect of helping with disease such as Alzheimer's or, or heart disease or any of that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, it, it certainly could be helpful. So uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you picked that out. I think it was a nice balance to the craziness of Poland or Russia. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, hey, we want to thank our friends at Critics Choice Video. It's America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987. They've been with us since we've started here at TFG Unbuttoned. 
And uh, when you go to focusgroupradio.com, please click on their logo and start shopping away. They support us, and we like when you support them. And uh, right now, they've got some great sales going on. In honor of no weddings in Russia for same-sex, they actually have a wedding sale going on. Right now, at Critics' Choice Video, when I went to the homepage, I saw that, as well as a comedy sale, which is uh, two of my favorite things, weddings and comedy. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, In some strange parallel universe, it might. Um, (laughs) I would always suggest that if you go visit Critics' Choice Video website to go to the upper left corner in the menu structure and request a catalog. It comes about every four or five weeks. It's my favorite way to to browse because it's nonlinear. You just flip open to different pages and, oh, I like that. And the catalog is what actually led me to um, find this online. I looked at something different, but then I found this. and. I think you'd appreciate this as well. Breakfast cereal commercials of the 50s and 60s. It's $7.99. It's a DVD. It seems like one of those things you just have to buy. Yeah. Because I have a suspicion that if we start watching this, we're going to remember the jingles. (laughs) We're going to remember the cereal. Wasn't Mikey Likes It Life? Life cereal. Life life cereal, yeah. yeah. And then there was the captain. And I mean, we were... Of course, um, probably at the tail end of something like this, but a lot of these cereal, I think this kind of advertising is fascinating because it's geared towards kids who then demand of their parents when they're in the store. I want that. (laughs) You know, I, you know, that's a good question. So cereal commercials used to be on NBC. Saturday morning TV. But but they were on all the time though. NBC, CBS, ABC. I've never seen, I don't think I've seen a cereal commercial I can't remember the last time I've seen a cereal commercial. I could not tell you the last time I saw Tony the Tiger said they're great. I can't even remember the last. But time I'm wondering, I saw do that. they still do they still run? I th- I'm hoping they do, but maybe not. Maybe there's this whole health thing where we don't want to be pushing the the cereal on the kids, right? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's just so targeted now we don't see them, or you know, because TV was so limited then that. Uh, that you only saw, you know, everybody saw everything. But everything, everybody saw everything. Well, you know, um, if you do have a hankering for breakfast cereal commercials from the fifties and sixties, all by all means, go to Critics Choice Video and uh, check out that DVD. It's only seven ninety nine. Hey, we want to thank you for joining us today, and thank you for uh, subscribing to TFGM Bun. Be sure to check out the focus group on Wednesdays from one to two p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube and Facebook Live. And of course, all of that is uh, housed over at focusgroupradio.com. And there you can also drop us a line, letters at focusgroupradio.com if there's something that catches your eye that you want us to talk about as well. So everybody, um, have a great week. Thank, big thanks again to Critics' Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987. Uh, mask up, stay safe, and we'll see you in the new one. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.